you could have some really great promotional materials. You could have a beautiful four-color, professionally printed uh, campaign piece. If you don't have the vision, if you don't have the plan to execute that vision, figure it out. You really don't have anything. Welcome to the Abundant Vision Fundraising Podcast. Whether you are a seasoned professional or a first-time fundraiser, we have the advice you need to take your next step toward major gift mastery. I'm your host, Tom Dauber, president of Abundant Vision Philanthropic Consulting. Today is our 10th episode spectacular. This has been such a great experience. For me, I've been able to reconnect with all sorts of colleagues and friends, all while helping you, our listeners, learn from experts in the field. By the way, if you've enjoyed listening to this show, please do me a favor and take a moment to subscribe to this podcast. And please give us a five-star rating on your podcast provider. Those ratings go a long way towards promoting uh, and, and kind of moving our show up to the top of the pile when people are looking for things uh, regarding fundraising. And I want to make sure that the resources we're providing, the interviews we're conducting, uh, get out there broadly and help as many people as possible. So we just finished up a great interview series with Jim Mahoney, uh, uh, really about all sorts of things from his career, early career fundraising advice in the major gifts realm, uh, as well as a lot of great stuff on management. Uh, now, Jim was my first manager uh, in a major gift fundraising role in, in higher ed. And so uh, it meant a lot to me to have him on my show. And uh, and I've got more folks like that coming up. Very excited about the slate of individuals we have uh, coming up. Uh, we've got Jason George, uh, the Chief Development Officer uh, at uh, Vineyard USA. Uh, we've got uh, Colleen Garland. Vice President uh, at Kenyon, uh, as well as uh, Cindy Wagman. Cindy is an expert on all sorts of things uh, regarding fractional fundraising, which is an exciting way of fundraising consulting that's still catching on in the United States, but is really popular up in Canada. So we've got that, plus some other special guests that we're planning on that I'm so excited to be able to share with you, because uh, these are, are really some some truly successful highly qualified fundraisers that I know we'll all learn a lot from. So after every interview series, I like to share some of my own thoughts and learnings about fundraising as well. In fact, I'm, I'm actually celebrating 25 uh, years in, in the fundraising field this month. Uh, and so there, there's a few things I've picked up along, along the way. As I put it out there on LinkedIn, you know, what types of things would you like to hear about in a podcast or, or in a, a training, for example? Uh, campaigns come up a lot. Uh, you know, there's there's 1.6 million uh, nonprofits out there, and and many of them have never done a campaign before. Uh, maybe they raise money this way or that way, but they've never really put their foot in the water of organizing a big campaign. Now, I know that those of you that are in that camp, you're probably thinking right now, tell me about giving pyramids. Tell me about identifying new big donors that I can recruit. Talk to me about promotional materials. Talk to me about the types of timelines that go into campaigns. And, and, and all those are, are great. They're helpful. They matter. But really, at least at this point in the game, they're all afterthoughts. I think of 
campaigns is you know, like a like a cake, right? Those sorts of things aren't the cake. Those are the frosting on the cake. You know, frosting can be nice. You can have a big bowl of it, but a big bowl of frosting is not a cake. It's frosting. For it to be a cake, you need some substance. You need something real, you know, made out of wheat and and uh, you know, flour and eggs and milk and butter and you know, all that. Something real and substantial that the frosting sits on. Uh, you know, the the big kickoff party that you might do at the beginning of a campaign or the the thing you do when the campaign's over to celebrate, that's not the campaign. In fact, I tell you, you could you could have some really great promotional materials. You could have a beautiful four-color, professionally printed uh, campaign piece. If you don't have the vision, if you don't have the plan to execute that vision figured out, you really don't have anything. So this is where we're going to start. A good campaign, a good fundraising, anything always starts with a good vision. You know, that's the reason why this is called the Abundant Vision Fundraising Podcast. It's, it's because in every job I've had, invariably, I've looked at one of the leaders and I've said to them, there is no lack of money in the world. There is only a lack of vision. Like there's money. There are wealthy people with money that they're going to spend on things, but they're not going to give it to you unless you've got something inspiring to share with them, right? So let's just talk about this. Let's say you've got a a new facility that your nonprofit wants to build. Uh, And let's say it's for career training, right? There's a lot of folks out there that would would want to spend a lot of time on figuring out the building and what that's going to be like. And, And their pitch may be really focused on all the details of the building. We're going to have the nicest desks. Our doors are going to be super strong. We're going to have all this great technology in the building. And that's that's okay. I mean, there's a place for that. Uh, a donor's going to want to know, well, what exactly are you spending my my money on? Are you buying good things that are going to help the students, right? So you do need to know that information. Don't get me wrong. However, vision and fundraising for a new facility shouldn't really be about the building. You know, it shouldn't even be about bigger rooms for bigger classes so more kids can take your your courses. That isn't what I'm thinking about here. What you need to be focused on is the sociological impact over a lifetime that's going to take place in your kids' lives going through the program because they've had steady employment. You know, you want to think about what's the difference in this kid's life versus maybe their neighbor that doesn't go through the career training program. How's a lifetime of steady employment because maybe they learned how to work on vehicles uh, at your program, they got certified as a mechanic through your program, how's that going to impact them? How's their life going to be different than what it was before? How's that life of that student going to be different than maybe the life of their mom or dad who didn't have that? I mean, let, let's say you're, you're working uh, in an environment uh, where there's um, you know, a low uh, socioeconomic profile. Uh, 
Uh, education is not prevalent. Uh, there's a lot of poverty, right? I could imagine that a student going through a program like that would would have a real leg up over other kids and, and, and certainly over, over their parents, right? Those are the sorts of things that you want to talk about. I mean, you, you want to go even farther though. It's not just how's their life going to be different than their parents, but what's it going to mean for them when they're a parent? What's it going to mean for their kids to have a, a, a mother or a father who has a steady income? What's it going to mean for their family? Maybe they've got a, an emergency fund because they're not living paycheck to paycheck. And so when the furnace breaks down, you know, they're okay. They're not, they're not going to the, uh, those uh, predatory uh, loan uh, agencies that are out there uh, to borrow money to fix something at, at 80% uh, interest or whatever it is, right? They're going to have a stability as a family that they wouldn't have otherwise. And what's that going to mean for their children? How are you going to change the family tree of that person going through the program? The dollar you're raising isn't buying a desk. It's buying a changed life. That dollar that's donated is helping a young adult escape a system of generational poverty and the anxiety and the pressure that goes with it. And what about that anxiety? What about that pressure? How does that anxiety and that pressure uh, lead to crime? I mean, I think about my ancestors. It's kind of personal for me. They came over uh, on the boat from the old world. They couldn't get jobs here because of their uh, their racial profile, right? And and so what did they do? They went into uh, they went into organized crime. You know, on my on my mom's side, my uh, great grandfather ran uh, illegal gambling rackets uh, in West Virginia. Uh, that's that's what they did, and. Um, I'm certain that young adults in the context we're, we're discussing, this fictional context, if, if we can help get them the type of employment training they need, well, you know, maybe they're not getting involved in trouble. Maybe they're not getting involved with gangs. You know, maybe they're not going to end up in a, a penal system that seems to be more about punishing people uh, than, it, than it really uh, does helping reform people. You know, what's that going to mean uh, for our community? What's it going to mean that the anxiety of poverty isn't going to be impacting the mental health uh, of that young person moving forward? Is that going to prevent suicide? It might. Is that going to prevent alcoholism? It might. You know, we need to use our imagination here. What are the best possible outcomes of the work you want to do? What is the most amazing, most hopeful transformation uh, that such a work might affect? That's going to let you build a great vision. Now, I think back to a $2.5 million gift that I closed a number of years ago to create an endowed chair. Now, we had a good vision for that endowed chair. We knew that it was going to be impactful, and we described that impact, I, I think, in pretty good detail. But holy cow, we way underestimated the great work that it would do. I mean, we closed the gift, but 
once we got the gift in place, it transformed the program in so many ways that we never could have imagined. I mean, just to give you an example. So, so this chair ended up bringing in a, a highly funded uh, scholar who uh, had a, a very large number of graduate students that, that he was training. And it, it brought so much activity to this division uh, within the college that we actually had some pretty high profile researchers we had tried to recruit earlier that had turned us down after we got the chair in place. And, and they began to see the difference that that chair made and the, all the activity, the scholarly activity coming out of that division. They changed their minds, ended up leaving another very high profile uh, research institute to come to our school. And of course, that just built upon itself. It was like a snowball. We had even more students in the program. We had even more research dollars flowing through our coffers. Um, and it, and it, it transformed the school in so many ways. And I wish we would have thought of all those things when we were trying to, to close that two and a half million dollar gift. Um, cause it would have just strengthened our argument. We didn't need to ultimately, but, um, I'm just trying to demonstrate to you that there's a lot of downstream implications uh, from from closing a gift and the difference that it makes. And you really need to kind of try hard to really push yourself to think about all the amazing things that could happen. Hey there, listeners. Are you dreaming about the impact your nonprofit could make if only you had more money? Are you dreading updating your board on fundraising progress this year? Do you wish you had a better skill set and confidence level for donor meetings? Or do you just wish you had a better plan? Abundant Vision Philanthropic Consulting is here for you. 2024 could be the year you develop a new confidence in your fundraising abilities and improve revenues at your nonprofit. I will meet with you weekly to help you develop a vision and major gift fundraising strategy to help take your fundraising to new heights. Are you planning a campaign, but lack the know-how to keep it on track for success? I can help you there as well. Over the past decade, I've led over 110 million in fundraising initiatives, and I'm available to help your organization find success in its next campaign. Go to www.abundantvision.net to schedule a free consultation. That's www.abundantvision.net. The link is in the episode descriptions. Now, back to the show. Once you've had that big idea. Now you need to build some real clarity as to how you're going to achieve it. Who's in charge of spending the money? How much will be allocated to whom or what? What is your timeline to begin spending that money? When does it all need to be in by in order to actually accomplish the thing that you want to accomplish? Is your funding plan sustainable? How will the work continue after the campaign is over? These are all important questions that you need to ask yourself. I can think back to a time when, when we had a, a campaign in progress. And um, I kind of came in midstream and the campaign was struggling. And as I was there, I came to realize that there was no actual plan to actualize the initiative being described in the campaign documentation. We actually had someone give us some money for it. Uh, it wasn't a lot, wasn't even 
you know, 5% of, of what we needed to do the plan. And what we discovered was that no one was in charge of spending the money that had been donated. And so this person had, had given us some money, thousands of dollars, and it just sat there and no one ever told them how it was spent because no one realized it had been unspent, right? And no one knew what they could do with, you know, $5,000, $10,000 when, when it was an $8 million goal, right? So you've got to know who's going to spend the money. And, and keep in mind, you know, if it's a really big gift, like let's say we're talking about a $60 million gift or a $60 million campaign, uh, spending that type of money is, that can be a full-time job. I mean, that was a question I had to pose to, to a client recently. We were, we were working on a, a $60 million ask. And, and I had to say to them, who, who is going to spend this money? Till that point, it hadn't been a topic of conversation because truly, if, if you get a donor that invests that type of money with you, uh, 60 million bucks, they're going to expect an update on how things are going. And so if, if, if you've got a person who's got a 40 hour a week job, how are they going to keep track basically of being like a, almost like a general contractor managing the inflows and outflows of money and and all the different things that that you want to do, you know you need to hire somebody to spend some of this money. But but regardless, whatever the big idea is, you've got to build real clarity as to how you're going to achieve it. You know, credibility with donors is is all based on trust. And so many of these donors, if they're not business people. You know, maybe they're going to be the children of business people. But what I'm saying is, many of these folks are people that know how to get work done. Many of them are going to be people that have high expectations for deliverables. Unfortunately, sometimes nonprofits are really bad at that. A lot of dreaming, a lot of sky high expectations. But sometimes nonprofits, because of the nature of the work they do, they're not really running things like a for-profit business. But when you begin to raise large sums of money and you have donors with high expectations, you've, you've got to be able to show the return on that investment. You've got to be able to show the type of impact that they're making. And again, that takes real intentional planning to accomplish it. Well, that's all we've got for this week. There'll be certainly more to discuss about campaigns and how to run great ones. In the meantime, I'd like to thank you for joining me this week. And be sure to reach out. Um, I've got a new Facebook group called the Abundant Vision Coaching uh, uh, Coaching Group. If you'd, l- if you'd like to get on there, get some free coaching, participate in the community, we'd love to have you. Again, that's over on Facebook. Or if you'd like to jump in on LinkedIn uh, and connect with me there, Uh, I'm certainly available there as well. As always, I'm your host, Tom Dauber. Thank you for joining me as we journey together toward major gift mastery on the Abundant Vision Fundraising Podcast. 